All right. So my joke supplier sent me another one this week. I won't mention any names. <coughs> Kevin. Um, but uh, so, <laughs> yeah. All right. So here, we, here we go. You ready for it? No. No. Yes. What? All right. What's What's the difference? What's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? One's really heavy and the other's a little lighter. Yes, somebody, somebody nailed it. Yes, the collective groan came up. <laughs> um, before I jump into the word, uh, real quick, if you're home and and, and watching, um, and you missed. It, I don't know if I announced this this week. I don't. I just don't remember. Uh, but we're going to be doing communion at the end of this. So if you're home. Uh, go grab the, the Wonder Bread or, or whatever you got, and uh, you got something. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought I had a special messenger. Sorry. Uh, but, but grab some bread and some juice. If you don't have grape juice, if you don't have bread, grab a cracker. Find something. The, the idea is celebrating Jesus, okay? If you got to use apple juice, if you got to use milk, or water, whatever, you know, celebrate Jesus, celebrate Jesus with us. So we're going to be doing that at the end of the message here. Oh, hallelujah. So, God actually gave me this this word several weeks ago. And it was one of those things that when I received it, I just, I just, it was so encouraging to me because it was one of these just flip a switch sort of thing that I just wanted to, to jump online and share it. And I, I almost did on a Thursday night. And I just, as I was getting ready, he said, no, not yet. He said, it's, it's just not yet. Um, so, but he, he said I could release it today. And uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about what he's been speaking. I'm excited. I'm excited about what I've been hearing, you know, coming forth. Uh, I know I said several weeks ago, uh, actually in Easter, you know, that I was looking forward to the words that were coming forth, and uh, I have not been disappointed. I don't know about the rest of you; they've just been excellent. Um, and so, I want to share with you this morning um, about a marker of God's perspective. Okay? Now, you may be asking yourself, okay, I've never heard of God's markers before, and that's okay because, quite honestly, I haven't either. Okay? This was just one of those things that as I was sitting in my quiet time, he began to speak to me. And so, to understand God's markers, okay, as he was explaining it to me, we have to kind of get into what prophetic broads and prophetic not, not prophetic women, not the women are broads, okay? I'm not talking about a, a group of prophetic women. But <laughs> uh, prophetic broads as in wide. No, I'm really sorry. I made that association. <laughs> but you know, what I, you know what I mean, all right? The wide places of the prophetic and the specific places of the prophetic. 
And, and, and the prophetic, in a nutshell, is, is what God is speaking, okay, as it relates to our past, present, and future. Those things that he throws out in front of us. And essentially, a prophetic specific, okay, is, is a lot like last summer, right? So God was, uh, he spoke to me, he spoke to, to the eldership and, and confirmed the word that we were to sow our entire building fund. Okay, that was a very specific word. We were to sow our entire building fund into good soil. And then we were to take the entire offering and to sow it into GoFam Ministries. That was a very specific word which he gave to us for a very specific purpose because he wanted to grow and expand and explode financially what he was doing here. And he has more than done it. I mean, it's just been amazing. And that is a separate testimony um, for another time. But but it's amazing what God has done. He's paid, in a nutshell, he's paid off over $20,000 in debt. And even in the midst of financial uh, insecurity, you know, with, with all the COVID stuff going on, he's more than supplied all of our needs. Yes, absolutely. Everything we've done, we've not taken out a loan to do any remodeling. Everything is paid for. All the bills are paid. Now, if you know us historically, that's amazing. Okay? So there are, there are those specifics. Um, a biblical example of God's specifics. Uh, if, if you want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 through 18. God was very specific with Elijah. Uh, starting in verse 15, it says, The Lord said to him, This is Elijah. He, he had a little backdrop. He'd gone to Mount Carmel, right? He had had the showdown with the prophets of Baal. He had run across the desert for 40 days and nights. He's meeting with God on the top of Mount Horeb. And God says to him, go, return your way, uh, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazel as king over Aram. And Jehu, as, uh, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel and Elijah the son of Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Molah you shall anoint as prophet in your place it shall come about when one who escapes from the sword of Hazel Jehu shall put to death the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu Elisha shall put to death yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him so, here's an example where God was extremely specific, again, with what Elijah was to do. And then you have the, the wide or the broad places in the prophetic. And, and these are the times where we hear from God very generally, okay? Um, it, it, it's, it's a general word which uh, oftentimes turns us around. You know, oftentimes words of correction that he speaks to our hearts, whether it comes directly from him or through circumstances or people, uh, tend to be very broad. But we need broad because we because it's not about turning around and, and fixing on a specific spot. It's about just getting turned around and going in the right direction. And so it's a very wide place. It gets us moving the right way. Um, oftentimes, not always, but but, but calling, vocation. When we first hear, it can be a very broad place. You know, uh, just for example, uh, you know, if I pick vocation, physical therapy, 
where you think, well, that's a very specific thing, and it is, but yet, when you get to know it, there, there's so many options that you can do within that vocation that it really is still a very broad spot. And so we often find that the beginning of calling and vocation is, are, are those prophetic, prophetically broad places. But it, it's within the prophetic broads I'll laugh every time I hear that now. It's within that context that we find prophetic markers. God's prophetic markers can be compared to being out on a foggy day and suddenly seeing a lighthouse. Or being out and, and suddenly seeing a beacon lit up. No, or, or being literally a light, having a light in the darkness, or, or lighting a flare and, and throwing it out to where you need to go, or someone taking it so that you still can't see clearly, but there's that marker out there that tells you a very specific place where you're to go. You know you're supposed to go there, but you just don't know everything in between because of the fog, because of the darkness. thing about prophetic markers is this. It's a word that God gives, and I'm going to give some examples here in a moment, and a very specific example. But the thing about a prophetic marker, that thing that's been spoken, that gives us a specific spot to go that we can't see, is they tell us how to get there. We we now have something through which we can filter the information around us. That's the purpose of a prophetic marker is so that we can filter everything else going on around us. And, God, we need that right now. We we need a filter. We need that thing thrown out in front of us so that we can adequately and accurately interpret as we go into the seven mountains. Right? We need to be able to filter that information through those specific points that God lays in front of us. There's another definition, though, of a, of a marker. Okay? If you've ever uh, seen the musical Guys and Dolls, uh, it's one of the Garcia household favorites. Um, you know, it, you got, uh, oh, can't think of his name now. Sky Masterson. Throwing down his marker. Saying, essentially, it's a promissory note, right? Among gamblers, it's, a, it's you know, it's their, hey, I'm good for this money. The promissory note essentially says, whoever holds this, uh, I will pay this amount of money by this specific date. It's a promise of what's to come. And so there's this element of prophetic markers. When, when God throws out this point, there's an element of when you get there, you will get exactly what I promised. Okay, there's an element of, of God's uh, just his goodness, his faithfulness. And we see an example of this in Genesis chapter 12. And I'm just going to briefly touch on this because I think it's a really good example. At the beginning of, of, of Abram's journey, before he was Abraham, right, he was called to, to a very broad place. 
Because God said, leave and go to a land which I will show you. Okay, I can do that. You get it? It's a very broad spot. But then God in the next two verses throws out his marker and he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you shall be blessed. And I will bless those who bless you. And the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in all the families of the earth, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. There was this prophetic marker that was thrown out, a very specific spot that Abram now knew he was going to, even though he couldn't see between here and there. It it wasn't even a city. Hey, go to the city. It was go to a place I'm going to show you. It was a, a nation. A nation is a very broad spot. So here's the marker. And it's going to irritate you. I probably shouldn't preface things like that. <laughs> Until I explain it, it will likely irritate you. Okay? I'm just, because I say that because it irritated me. Because it wasn't it wasn't the voice of the prophet coming Boom. And saying this was God says, you know, you really ought to listen to these people. And I went, I don't think much of those people and the way they're viewing things. But bear with me. Here's the first thing he said. It was three things, actually. Things will never be the same. There is no returning to normal. There will be a new normal. Sound familiar? (laughs) Things will never be the same. There's no returning to normal. There will be a new normal. And it wasn't until this morning. I got to deliver the punchline first before we go into that. Because it wasn't until this morning that it really began to unfold for me and, and, and bring greater clarity to this. What irritated me about this is it's a message which has been coming from government officials, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not about the source, right? But it's a message which has been coming in the context of coronavirus only and everything related to coronavirus. And so if this word irritates you, that's probably why it irritates you. Because in the context of coronavirus, we've been hearing things will never be the same. There's no returning to normal. There will be a new normal. And it's the filter through which we've heard it. But Papa Papa told me, he said, they've usurped my message. The message is still valid. It doesn't mean what they think that it means. You know, when they, when Papa's word gets hijacked, it suddenly brings what should be way far out 
leading us on, something that should be be taking us to that promised land, something that should be taking us to a point of hope and encouragement, taking us from glory to glory. When, when the enemy hijacks it, it brings it in close. Because that's the only place that the enemy can live. That's where his camp is. He has no future. He has no hope. And so he has to destroy your now. That's his attempt. Oh, that's good. That is good. So, the first question that came to mind, okay, so I want to unfold this a little bit more and and then give a little more clarity. We doing okay? Okay. Oh, we're up to four viewers now. Welcome, number four, whoever you are. (laughs) All right. I have to try to be interactive. This is still all kind of new, you know? I'm learning. The first thing that came to my mind, and, and I have experience in history here, so... So God explained it rather quickly, but I feel like it, it deserves a little explanation. Is you know you might be asking, well, why would God speak in this manner? Now, why would God use a message attached to something which brings death, perhaps through people you don't like? Uh, but I want to encourage you that the, in spite of the fact that you may um, not like the messengers, or you may not like the message that. The messengers are still pawns. Okay? They're still pawns being used by the enemy. And many of them have good hearts and good intents. And God set them in their place for a specific reason, a specific purpose. And so we do bless our government officials. But it doesn't negate the fact that we don't like the message. And historically, God... God uses those things. You know, uh, and I was just thinking quickly of examples. Um, Ezra chapter 1. And, and you can find this throughout the book of, of Ezra. But you, you have Cyrus, a, a pagan king, essentially. At least initially. King of Persia. Who, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord, it says in verse 1, by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent out a proclamation throughout all of the kingdom, and also put it in writings, thus says the Lord, Cyrus, or thus says, not the Lord, Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the, the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. You know, so, so the Lord took someone outside of kingdom, per se, and used him to, to, to make a decree. We see the same thing with Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 41, where Pharaoh was not a godly man. He, he was not known for his faith in God. And yet, we see him... God giving the message to Pharaoh through a dream, which was then later interpreted by Joseph, which ended up saving two nations. 
We also see in Numbers chapter 22 and 28, God using the mouth of a donkey to convey a message. And so my point is, God will use different sources outside of kingdom, especially if the message has been corrupted and maybe he can't get through at the moment. Or maybe it's just not loud enough. And I, and I believe that's the case. You know, I believe this is a word or a proclamation, rather, that God wanted to get out to the masses so that they get the message, but it can be turned back into what it's originally desired to be. And so, as I was asking, as I was asking God about the specifics of this word, he began to speak to me about Mary's marker. And I think it's very appropriate on Mother's Day. I'm going to read the account to you out of Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. I'm going to stop right there for a moment. There's some things that I've never noticed in this passage before. In other passages, like when the shepherds were watching their flocks by night, it says, and the angels suddenly appeared, right? How does the angel come in in this story? It says the angel came in. And coming in, he said to her, I never picked up on that. I always had this vision, right? That Mary's there in the kitchen, I don't know, making some pita bread or, or whatever. And poof, there's, there's Gabriel. But it says, and the angel came in. It gives me the picture that he kind of just walked in through the door. I don't know. It's just, again, I've just never noticed that before. He comes in through the door. He walks right in. Maybe even in a very unassuming way. That she just thought this was another person. And the reason I say that, he comes in, he walks in to her home and says, Greeting, favored one, the Lord is with you. And it says that Mary was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of, of salutation this was. Okay, that word perplexed means agitated. Okay? Mary was rather agitated by the message. Someone's just walked into her home, given her a greeting she's never heard, and she's she's really kind of, what are you doing in my house? And what do you want? Because it kind of sounds like you're sucking up to me. Like you want something. Again, I'm just seeing this with a fresh set of eyes. 
She was agitated by this message. You know, we often think it was, again, poof, the angel appeared and she went, oh my God. This is wonderful. You're so good. You're so holy. And she just broke into into song singing the Magnificat, right? That didn't actually come until after she had traveled and gone to, to visit Elizabeth. That, that, she, that she proclaimed, you know, my, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Her initial take on the message was one of agitation. And it took her a process to work through before she eventually gave God the glory. Because God came in, he sent the angel in, she gets agitated, but then the angel throws out the marker. He throws out the prophetic word. And in verse 30 it says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary's marker was essentially this. There's a kingdom shift coming and I'm using you in the process. Historically, we look back and we go, yeah, that's quite a shift. That's like a major realignment. Melissa's talking about realignment the other week. That's realignment. Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection is the epitome It is the exact representation of realignment. Taking what's gone off track and putting it back on track. There's a new normal coming. In essence, things will never be the same. The message we're receiving, the message that's been hijacked by the enemy, is, is in essence an echo of Mary's marker which was thrown out to her. Because of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. When there's a kingdom shift, things will never be the same. And there is a kingdom step, a kingdom shift which is happening. It is the echo of Jesus Christ and his death, his life, his death, his resurrection and power which was given to his people. 
And because of that, things will never be the same. And historically, there has been an echo of this, which has just caused and created new life and expansion of kingdom. You know, God God took me, I'm sitting and I'm listening, and, and he occasionally he'll do this. I've got tons of books, uh, most of which I've read on my bookshelf. Um, these I have, and, and they're just wonderful, but he, by, I ran across these. And one of them is, they're both by Harold Everly, right? One is bringing your future into, into focus. And it's, again, it's about getting that marker back out in front of you. It's about viewing our future. The way, the way we see our future determines our present reality, right? This is about bringing your, your future into focus with the reality of kingdom. The other one is victorious eschatology. I'm not here to preach eschatology, but if, if, you, if you're still uh, grappling with an end time scenario where things are going to hell in a handbasket, the coronavirus is, is the opening the door and, and we're seeing the beginning of end times, I challenge you, this is a worldview which has only been popular in the last 100 years. I challenge you to embrace, to, to check out a victorious eschatology by Harold Everly and Martin Trench. It's not about me wanting to, to, to change and explain to you all of end times. But unless we can see victory at the end, it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact the way we live today. There's a, there's a popular song that I hear over and over and over and over in the clinic. Okay, we listen to country music. And I've actually come to like country music. I never grew up with it. Always swore against it. But now it's kind of getting into me a little bit. But there's a song that talks about, you know, I want to live like I'm dying. Or, or you should live like you're dying. And the guy goes through the story. Of discovering that he's got cancer, essentially, and it changes his whole world view. Because what he now sees as his future, he once saw as I've got plenty of time, and now all of a sudden, he's going, I don't know what kind of a future I have. And so, if I need to change the way I live. His prophetic marker got adjusted. And so it changed the way, the way he lived in his present reality. And this can happen for good or for bad. A tree cannot shrink to its former size once it has grown and begun bearing fruit. There is no returning to normal. And you're going to get pruned, you're going to get pushed, you're going to get positioned to bear abundant fruit as the echo of Christ's life, death, and resurrection sweeps across the earth. Again, we're right on the precipice of this. This is the message which the enemy has hijacked. There will be a new normal. That's his message, not his message. 
There will be a new normal because King Jesus is the one who, who is on the move in this hour. And of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. And if the kingdom is expanding, there's a new normal. That's his message. And it's time to take it back. When increase happens, there is a new normal. The way we view our future determines our present reality. And and I'm closing with this. Okay, and then we're going to do communion. But listen, I, I don't think I'm the only one who's had this revelation. But if the enemy can use such a small thing, and, and it really is, the coronavirus is a small thing. I understand the, the, the depth which it has brought. I understand the chaos. That's, just, that's the point. If he can use such a small thing to bring so much Death, death of economy, uh, just totally disrupt the way the world works and moves and lives. How much more Jesus? How much more can Jesus? Do you you really think that God is going to let the enemy have the last laugh in this situation? Oh my gosh, we've got to get this marker back out in front of us. Because it it brings clarity. It brings the future into focus. It brings the present into focus. So that we can take all of the things which which continue to come forth and see from the perspective of eternity. That of the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And the the enemy is not going to get the last laugh. I'm telling you, you've been hearing it from, from people wiser and more prophetic than me. There's major increase coming to the kingdom. And we can't lose sight of that. And it's how we need to proceed forward. So here's what I heard, and we'll close and do communion. Is as I, as he was downloading this. He said, I want you to have them stand and I want you to have them take that marker and throw it out. Do you know how, I believe it was Elisha, when he was on his deathbed? Um, I can't think of which king came in. Was it Ahab? I think you're right. Um, but he came in. Oh, i got to plug this in so we don't lose live stream. Um, but he came in and, and the king was inquiring about what he should do. And he, he said, I want you to take the arrow and I want you to sh- pull, pull back the bow and I want you to shoot it out the window. And then I want you to take those arrows and I want you to strike the ground. And the king struck it kind of uh, three times. It's kind of like, all right, whatever, old man. And, and he got chastised for really not putting a lot of effort into it. And he said, look, had you really given effort into this and, and struck the ground six or seven times or eight times, you would have totally annihilated your enemies. But because you, your heart was not in it, you're only going to destroy them three times. God used a half-hearted effort. Okay? 
But I really believe that there's something to this. That not only is it recouping and recovering the message of kingdom, which the enemy is trying to usurp, but I totally believe that as you take this marker, as you stand with me, if you're willing, you take this marker and you throw it out with all you have, you are going to find prophetic dreams, you're going to find prophetic visions, you're going to see uh, the mouths of the prophets around you to suddenly get pulled and drawn towards you as, as God gives you even more prophetic markers to take you and lead you forward. Are you with me? Yes. All right. Stand up. We'll throw this out. <laughs> Literally. You know, so I was thinking, man, it'd be kind of cool if instead of flares, we could we could get some glow sticks. And then I thought, oh, but then we'll, we'd ruin our paint as we threw really hard against the wall or they'd be sticking into the foam up here. So <laughs> I did think about that. <laughs> well, that was the other thing. I saw myself getting pelted with all these glow sticks. Um, and maybe some, some latent built-up anger coming out. So, <laughs> All right, so if you're at home, I want you to stand up. Uh, but everyone, I want you to take this marker, okay? And on the count of three, we're just going to throw it as hard and as far as we can. Ready? One, two, three. Ah! <laughs> Couldn't follow through because of this. i got to throw one again. Ah! There we go. All right. All right. Would somebody do me a favor and uh, just begin passing out the communion cups? I'm telling you, you're going to have dreams. You're going to have visions. You're going to have prophetic words coming your way. You know, here's a really cool thing. There, there are times that things like this draw kingdom activity. Um, I'll just give you a quick example. A few weeks ago, I don't know why, but I just felt just uh, compelled to begin prophesying over Russell. And so there must have been something he was doing in the heart of God that, that just drew kingdom. Because I just found myself stopping what I was doing. I was honestly a little annoyed. I'm thinking nothing against Russell, but it was disruptive. <laughs> it was disruptive, but there was something in his heart cry which just drew it out of me. And so I found myself texting prophetically to Russell. I'm telling you. So if you want to, we'll, we'll do this together. And if you're home and you're prepared, we'll try this together. Yes. Yes, please. Jennifer has just a word of encouragement to add as I open, try to open my breath. Okay, so as we do this, I really, this, this word resonates in my heart because... What God says doesn't come back void. And he uses people who have no clue. And they think they're saying one thing, but they're saying another. And as we were singing this morning, the you conquer fear word kept stirring in my spirit. And the thing is, there's territorial powers of fear. There are territorial powers over this region. And I believe the word of God is that we are going to conquer those territorial spirits. They have been here from the foundation and they will go. It will never be the same because those spirits 
must leave when we take our rightful place. And as we take communion today, take your rightful place. We're calling that spirit of fear and that spirit of control and the spirit of manipulation to fall in the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus is higher than it all. And as you take communion today, say, yes, I'm going to play a part. Yes. Yes. The territorial spirits will fall and they will not return. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I have to uh, I have to share what God was speaking to me during that same song. And uh, I just felt like the Lord was saying, I am and I ha- and I will be silencing fear. And I saw a picture of no names mentioned. Uh, talking because much of what has been and is being said the, the behind it is a spirit of fear yeah. Yeah. and I saw as it were God hit the mute button and the lips kept moving but there was nothing coming out I believe what God is saying is I have disarmed yes. the fear yes and my people and people of the world are beginning to see the lips continue to move, but they're hearing nothing because my word will prevail, says the Lord. Amen. It was the same exact song, too. So, Pastor Fred mentioned Nehemiah this morning, and in Nehemiah, it always struck a I found it interesting that when Ezra got up to preach, he stood at the water gates. And when he stood at the water gates and he preached to the people, there was a miraculous understanding. There was a supernatural understanding when he read the law. And I believe as he silences the fear, as God comes and the mouths are moving but no sound is coming out, the word of God is going to come and wash over. And there's going to be a miraculous supernatural understanding. New depths for those who already do understand and new life and new hearing for those who don't yet, as God's voice comes and washes over. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. I see it's happening already. Thank right. you, Lord. So, at home, if you have your bread, if you took it already, that's okay. Um, but if you have it, we remember. Here's what we remember. Not simply. That's that's not even the right word. Because there's nothing simple about what Jesus did for us. Not only do we remember his death, his resurrection, his power over the grave, his imbuing us with power, but the bread represents it's his body. Right? And we are the body of Christ. And this message is going to come forth. It's going to grip people. I don't believe this is unique just to this place. I believe this message is good just going out throughout the earth this morning. In different ways, shapes, and forms. But it's about the body of Christ rising up, standing on the precipice, and just marching headlong into the fog with the marker that he's laid before us. So we just remember, and we partake in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just remember the covenant which you made to us, that promise. 
that promissory note. You are the ultimate promissory note. The new covenant, the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, for eternal life, and just a life filled with glory, going from glory to glory. So we remember in Jesus' name.